Coming up today on In the News, the writ has dropped, the Saskatchewan provincial election is officially underway, and already controversy, not over policy, but over candidates and social media posts. Plus, a national restaurant chain changes its dress code policy after a CBC investigation into sexism in the restaurant industry. And you're not going to want to miss this episode's Hot or Not as we dive into a little bit of controversy with some celebrities. Thank you for joining us today on uh, In the News. I am Kayla Gelman, and with me as always is Mr. Brady Knight. Glad to be here, glad to be here. And starting things off today, Kaylee, the Saskatchewan election finally underway, but not a lot of focus on policy through the first week and a little bit here. Uh, there's been a lot of focus on the candidates who have been running. Four NDP candidates have been dropped over social media posts they made. Uh, among them was Clayton Wilson, who is an NDP candidate for Saskatoon Northwest. Uh, after a first comments serviced about stupid farmers, that was from back when the CWB was dissolved. Uh, then the very next day, there were some more comments that surfaced, which were uh, quite derogatory towards women. Uh, there was a couple more that were dropped by the NDP on their own accord. And then after all of that, Kaylee, we come to uh, a few days after that, there was information provided by the NDP that there was three Sask Party candidates who had been convicted of uh, driving while impaired. It later came out there was a couple of NDP candidates who had as well. Uh, it's just been really a, a mess of pointing fingers back and forth at candidates and really not much policy yeah. so far. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're not hearing, uh, well, at least I haven't heard a whole lot about what's the the policies being promoted for each party. It's basically we're pointing fingers at each individual candidate and we're going to try to screw them over to make us look better. It's just some nasty tactic that's going on. Where's an actual election taking place? Because it sure doesn't seem like there is an election happening right now. Oh, and it's just the thing is there's been so much of this finger-pointing back and forth, and everybody's so closely scrutinizing candidates. Uh, I think it's important to point out that in terms especially of the drinking and driving convictions, um, the vast majority of these were some time ago. We're talking 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, there is a number of them when these candidates were 17 or 18. Uh, the most recent one of those came from one of the NDP candidates who didn't specify exactly when it was, but it was, quote, over five years ago. So we're not talking about anything too recent. And I guess it's one of those things. Well, I think the, the one that was the most recent one would have been Clayton Wilson and the stupid farmers comment. That was 2014. So that was about two years ago. So that's like the most recent one that um, that has come about. Yeah. And. I guess for me, Kaylee, it comes down to the fact that nobody in life is perfect. And I, while I certainly wouldn't condone misogynistic comments, homophobic comments, uh, people with vast criminal records running for office, I think it's it's also important to remember that people do change over time and that everybody at some point in their life has made a mistake of some kind and sometimes those are forgivable sometimes they're not but I just think there's been way too much focus on that this election so far and I do agree with that I think it is starting to get a little ridiculous and people need to move past this and start focusing on the actual election at hand 
the drunk driving cases, you know what? Yeah, that happened prob- a long time ago The when you're basically silly kids that are just kind of getting into the world. You know, it, it does happen. It's very unfortunate, and I'm not condoning it whatsoever. But um, when you're starting getting into the past, you know, I say about five years that some of these social media comments are being brought up. I'm looking at one from an NDP candidate, um, Adam Duke, and he has a very racist comment and an also very sexist comment um, two days apart on his Facebook feed. And people think it's hilarious. And I'm thinking, is this the type of person, even though that would have been five years ago, it was in 2011, but people are thinking this is really, really funny. Well, is that the type of person that we want in office that's representing us that even just five years ago is making these types of comments and people are following it? I don't know. I just think there comes to a point where enough is enough. And yes, we need to stop focusing all our attention on these candidates' previous social media um, things that they're posting. But at the same time, what are these people really like, though? If they have no problem going and posting on Facebook that they see this wooded setting as a rape-friendly area, that's not that's not a good person, really. And I, I'm really questioning their character and their judgment. Well, and a lot of people are. There was actually a poll that uh, just came out this week uh, in light of all these social media comments that asked people if those comments would affect the way they voted. And well over half of voters said yes, they would definitely uh, impact the way their ballot was cast or at least how they're weighing the decision in their mind. So it is something that a lot of people are definitely paying attention to. And I mean, it's it's not a problem that's unique to Saskatchewan either. Uh, Manitoba also has an election going on right now. Uh, uh, one candidate running there, Wab Canoe, who is a well-known uh, Aboriginal activist, former rapper. He's now running for the NDP. And he was coming under fire the other week for all kinds of derogatory lyrics in his music about woman. Uh, even after he's apologized time and time again for probably about three years now. And it, it just seems to be the the thing to do. And And maybe it does serve an important role in making sure that the people that we have in office are people who are of that good character that we want to see in positions of power. But at the same time, too, there's a whole other argument that can be made of when do we draw the line of of just basically sometimes sucking it up. Like it's, it is freedom of speech, and I do understand that. Um, but that's why like, I'm on the fence about this. On the one hand, I'm, I'm shocked, and I'm kind of like, come on, guys, smarten up. You know better than this. You don't need to be saying stuff like this for everyone to see. If you're going to say it, say it in your own private house where no one else is going to hear you and it's not going to come back to bite you in the ass but at the same time we as a society we get offended over the drop of a pin kind of thing like there's there's two sides to this that I think we all need to kind of take a step back and and I, I'm contradicting myself of what I just said a couple minutes ago but the more I start to think about it the more I'm like well yeah this sucks and no I don't want that type of person representing me Um, if you're going to be making comments like that. But at the same time, do I really need to be offended by these silly comments made on his silly Facebook feed that really doesn't matter? I don't think so, and nor do I think a lot of people really need to be offended by it. 
and and that's just the thing there is it's something that i'm i'm struggling with too because you're torn on both sides of the equation and you know it'll be really interesting to see what happens when we actually go to the polls on april the 4th and see what happens and see if these comments and the focus of this first week and a bit of the campaign actually end up making a difference at the polls So CBC's Marketplace did an investigation recently on sexism in the restaurant industry. And it actually prompted Earl's, the national restaurant chain, to change their dress code policy. And it was also actually interesting, the other week at one Ottawa restaurant, male servers wore what women were supposed to wear to experience what it's like in their shoes. Kaylee... You've worked as a server for a number of years. What's your take on all this? Um, so my my take is probably going to be maybe somewhat surprising to people because I I live this four nights a week kind of thing at at my restaurant. But I think it's made to be too big of a deal. I honestly do. When I first started at my restaurant that I work at. I knew what my dress code was going to be my first day of orientation, and I accepted it. I accepted that I was going to be wearing a skirt that's a little shorter, but it's not. I don't think it's that bad. I also pull mine down a little bit so my ass isn't hanging out. Some people are different, and I choose to wear higher heels than what are required. The heels that are required are very minimal. The basis behind it is for foot support. But I knew what I was getting myself into, and I chose to continue working there. You know what you are having as a uniform the day you show up. So it comes down to, if you don't like it, well, there's the door, and there's many, many other restaurants that you can go to that'll probably suit the type of person that that you are and how your values and, and stuff like that. But if you are okay with it, like I was, I'm, I'm okay with what I wear. I don't love it, but it makes me money, so I'm okay. I accepted it, and I'm continuing on working, no problem. Here I am almost four years later, and I'm still, still at the same place working, making my money. So I don't think it needed to be that big of a deal. That said, though... I do think it needs to be aware that, yes, there are going to be some places that wear pretty, I don't, I don't know what the, maybe the best word well, is. Well, I, I think what you're going at it is that there needs to be reasonable limits at some point, right? Exactly. Because there are some places that I've seen some pictures of the female staff with barely anything covering them. And you know what? Okay, if the, if the women wearing that are okay with it, then who's to stop them? They that's that's what my issue is here if we're okay with it then who are you to tell us that we shouldn't be wearing that when this came up i had multiple people that i was serving ask me well what did i think about this and and how do i feel about my uniform and stuff like that and like one i don't think my uniform is really bad right my legs and my arms are showing big whoop um and i wear heels but guess what sex sells that's the society that we live in it's a society we've lived in for years for as long as anyone can remember 
sex sells and it always will sell. There's nothing we can do about it to change it. That's what brings in the money. So when people are asking me this, that's what I tell them. Like one, I knew what I was getting myself into and I decided to stay. So that's my own choice. Right. Um, Two, like I said, sex sells. So that's what's going to make me the money. Then I guess this is what I'm going to do because I have to pay my bills and I chose to serve. And also, if I'm okay with it, then who are you to tell me that I shouldn't be okay with it? And that's where I'm starting to have a bit of a problem with this. Right. So what about the people that are coming in night after night? Like, is is there a real problem with the way that female servers are being treated? By some customers, yes, for sure. Um, many, many times I have had to stand up for myself because I am being degraded and I'm looked at like an object. But that's not the restaurant's fault. That's the person who is looking at me that way's fault. So there's, there's this, this fine line that I think is an issue here where things like this are being blamed on the restaurant and the owners for making us dress this way or act this way or whatever we have to do to make money. But what about these people that are coming in and are choosing to act this way because they think it's okay because that's just who they are? That's the problem here. My owner of my restaurant that I work at isn't the problem. The problem are the sleazy guys that come in and think that they can stare at my ass and stare at my chest when I walk away or I talk to them and that they can hit on me all the time and that it's going to be okay. But guess what? I don't stand for that and I tell them that and then usually they stop and if it escalates, then I bring in my management and then they deal with it. See, I have I work at a place where if I get into an issue, I have the staff behind my back that'll help us out in these types of situations. Right. You don't get three chances. You screw up, you get a warning, a serious warning saying that you got to smarten up or you're going to be kicked out. And if you dare cross that line only slightly, we will escort you out the door. We don't stand for stuff like that. So that's where I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't work at a place that uh, that this really bothers me. And um, I honestly think that if you have an issue with where you're working, unless it's very significant and um, there actually is like serious harassment yeah. and, and stuff like that, like for sure that needs to be dealt with. But if it's coming down that you don't like the way you're dressing or you don't like the way that your customers are treating you, go to a different restaurant. It's It's honestly that easy. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. One major restaurant chain changing their dress code. We'll see if others follow suit in the coming months. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been in and out of the States for the past couple weeks. One, hanging out with his newfound buddy, President Barack Obama, and also now going to New York to declare that he wants to fight for a seat at the UN Security Council. Now, Brady, what do you think? Is it a big deal? Should we be taking this seriously that we see Obama and Trudeau kind of snuggling up to one another? Oh, it was hilarious watching the news coverage. 
from the state dinner uh, from the while back now. <laughs> it really um, was just, just the fact they had this like whole bromance thing going, and it was it was just such a refreshing break from everything that had been covered politically for the last little while, both the American election, which is a whole other story, and even just the last little while uh, in the lead-up to and the fallout from the recent Canadian election back in October. Uh, it was just a really refreshing change of pace. Uh, I think there's two different uh, things to look at. You have the whole state dinner thing, which, you know what, I I don't think there was a whole lot diplomatically accomplished and there probably wasn't going to be anyways obama is on his way out there's not much that he can there's only so much he can do now no exactly in terms of u.s canada relations before somebody else is going to come in but at the same time it definitely never hurts to you know go and you know say hi to your neighbor go over for a barbecue kind of thing and we pretty much did the equivalent of that so it was well, it think, was really good to see. I think this is something that should be taken relatively seriously because look at this as a way that it's strengthening the relationship, the very strained relationship between Canada and United States. These um, past several years haven't on the rela- relationship between the two haven't been very strong. And that's not a country that we want on our bad side because we are so close to them. And our economies are so intertwined together. So why not celebrate this and see that we are finally on the right track to building up these relationships that have been torn down for so long? So I, th- I think this is I think this is great, and I think it should be taken very seriously. Yeah, and I, I think it depends on how you look and characterize the exact relationship of Canada-U.S. relations because it's in so many different areas that you're taking uh, a look at. Uh, I, I would definitely say they feel a lot more friendly now and more of a neighborhood feel rather than a rigid formality during hostile. during during some of the years in certain circumstances. And, I mean, it varies so much whether you're talking about economics, whether you're talking about certain industries like uh, the cattle industry, whether you're talking about environmental stuff uh, like pipelines and whatnot. And there's still plenty of tensions in that. But I think there was some there was some really... It was a good reminder that, hey, we're neighbors, we have to get along, and we can get along. And it was it was definitely some good steps towards that. And I think at the same time, we should also point out the um, the role that Trudeau's wife, Sophie, uh, played in this as well. I think she played a very significant role and a very impressive role with um, with all of this. Because one, I really like the fact that she wore all Canadian-made uh, wardrobes, really showcasing the talent that Canada has for the fashion industry. So I think that was a big gain for the Canadian fashion industry. Yeah, I didn't even know but that until she, you told me that. Yeah, no, and I and I saw some of her wardrobes. I'm like, you know what? That's actually pretty good. I wouldn't mind wearing something like that. <laughs> um, there was one uh, one fashion designer that she she wore quite a bit of that from Toronto, and um, yeah, that's great. I think we need more stuff like that. And she also was uh, was speaking with uh, Michelle Obama on promoting education for girls and for women to help with their future. And and so I think she was doing kind of her own little thing 
that was also really nice to see because it was very positive, very promoting things that she was doing. And I think that needs to be brought to attention as well. No, it was definitely great to see. And it's an important role. And when you're in that position to be able to make a difference, it's really awesome to see uh, people like her step forward, step up, and go above and beyond what's required or what's needed and really be able to make a significant difference for a lot of people. So then a couple days ago, um, Trudeau was in New York to announce that he wants to run to run for a seat in the UN Security Council. Right. Now we were t- discussing this a little bit before before coming on air here. And Brady, you have some some thoughts that are maybe somewhat concerning for the fact that this is going to be years down the road uh, when Trudeau may not even yeah. be around. Yeah, and basically the UN Security Council has 15 seats. It has a few permanent members, of course, but the rest are rotating seats which uh, go out to different countries on a two-year term. Uh, the next uh, round of voting for uh, the next term doesn't take place until the fall of 2020. So that's going to be at least five more years before we could start another term on the Security Council. Obviously, we have elections every four years now in Canada. So Trudeau, in order to see it through personally himself, would have to stay on and get reelected as prime minister. Of course, you can still be building relationships within the, that organization uh, in the lead up to it, which is even more important. Uh, especially seeing as the way we lost it a few years ago. Um, Canada's been on the Security Council six times, once every decade since the late 40s, actually. Uh, But back in 2010, we were upset by Portugal. Uh, This was huge news at the time, uh, and the defeat at the Security Council was... Uh, or uh, at the vote, rather, to get on the Security Council was blamed a lot on a pretty lame attempt, for lack of a better term, by the Conservative government at the time to get that seat. And there was a lot of people upset by that. And so it would be, of course, great for Canada to get on the Security Council, arguably one of the most important positions in the UN. But it's definitely a few years down the road. But even right now, though, with what Trudeau is, what, what he's doing, this is good for him with for a chance of being reelected. I know he's only been in office for a few months, but he's still always going to be looking for four years down the road. This is a good push for him to see that our country is starting starting to go back to what we used to be. And I think that if we can really push this relationship with the UN, one, it'll be very um, very helpful for us when we want to try to get that seat. And two, I think it'll be very helpful for Trudeau, as long as he continues what he's doing right now, still having significant amount of support. Like he just seems to be getting stronger with his support each, basically each day. That um, next election should be a breeze for him. But uh, you never know. Things that rise very quickly can also fall very, very quickly. Four years is a very long time. You can ask any government in power about that. And uh, you can see just how quickly tides can turn for a party. Even just looking at the NDP this past election, they started off polling in like their uh, opposition status. It looked like they would form the official opposition. 
and look where they ended up, an absolutely disastrous campaign, and that was just over a few short months. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see uh, how he lays the groundwork for the next four years, and obviously pushing for a Security Council seat would give him a lot more credibility uh, going forward into the next election. So, Brady, this uh, this time, I on Ottawa, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know what? I think so far things are... For these last couple weeks, it was a great change. It was nice to see. We'll give it a thumbs up, and we'll give it an A for effort right now, and hopefully (laughs) that can actually translate to some meaningful work down the road and uh, putting Canada back up in an important position on the world stage. Alrighty, time for Hot or Not. Kaylee, in the news this week, who is hot and who is not? Alright, so I'm going to start off with my hot. And I'm I'm really sorry. I am going to be going towards the celebrity side of things right now. Oh and my yes, goodness. I am, it gets worse. I am going to be talking about Kim Kardashian. Oh, Kaylee. <gasps> oh, I know, right? Okay. But there, you'll understand why. Okay. So... Recently, uh, the oh-so-wonderful Kim Kardashian posted a basically a nude selfie on Instagram of herself. Right. And the internet went nuts, as of course it would, with a bunch of young men that are on it. So she is now being criticized for posting this picture, and she's now responding saying that she's empowered by her body, empowered by her sexuality, she feels comfortable with her skin, Um, as should all women should be empowered by all this kind of thing. Um, You know, like she is a good role model. Basically saying she's a good role model for society. Oh, my God. So why this is my hot is because the singer Pink um, made a post, not, didn't say it was towards her, but you know 100% what it's towards. And she is shouting out to all the women across the world who use their brains, their strength, their worth, work ethic, their talent, their magic, what they were born with, um, and not just using uh, your body and your sex to get attention, that we need to be promoting stuff like this, using these important qualities, um, and that you shouldn't have to uh, make excuses for yourself. And she posted this on International Women's Day. Um, and at the same time, Kardashian had also posted her thing on International Women's Day. So there's a bit of this feud going on between the two of them. But I think this is very positive to see Pink standing up for something like this because I think it's really disgusting to see Kardashian always posting these nude selfies and saying that this is empowering and that women should be empowered by this. Yes, women should be able to be okay with their self, with their skin, and with their bodies, but there should be more than just the body that the women should be um, empowered with. And I think Pink really nails it on the head that there's all these different things that you also need to take into consideration as well. So that's why Pink is my hot for basically slamming Kim Kardashian. Right on. So you had a bit of hot, a bit of not in there. Uh, what is your not this week? So my not so hot, um, a couple of weeks ago, BuzzFeed writer Sachi Cole was... Uh, is being harassed for some tweets she made out for contributors to BuzzFeed Canada. 
she is wanting people that are not white and not male to apply for a con- contribution. It's not an actual job. They just want contributors. And then she ended everything in this long-winded tweet saying, um, if you're a white man upset that we are looking mostly for not white, not men, I don't care about you. Go right from the claims. BuzzFeed is um, standing beside her because she's supposed to be a comedian kind of thing. And this is all just supposed to be a joke. It got taken too seriously. But uh, no, Sachikol, you are not so hot right now because I think that was not very appropriate and very well handled. There's other ways that you can say that you don't, that you want um, ethnicity and you want women to be involved in, in these opportunities. By You don't have to say we don't want you if you're a white man. So I just, I don't think that was really appropriate. No, absolutely. And there's so many better ways that you can go about things like that. And it's one of those situations where, you know, choice of words really makes a huge difference. Exactly. All right, Brady, since I took up most of the time now, (laughs) what is your hot and your not so hot? Okay, I'll make this pretty quick. Starting off with the not so hot. Oh my goodness. The city of Saskatoon and Saskatoon Transit. They have been without a deal since 2012. They had the huge, messy lockout situation just over a year ago back in late 2014. Now tempers are flaring up again. For the last week-ish, drivers weren't wearing their uniforms in protest. Uh, They've since started wearing them again. Uh, The city's not saying much to the media. It's just a complete mess. So to both sides, stop acting like passive-aggressive five-year-olds. Please, you always grow have up, issue with get a deal done, and <laughs> if you can't get a deal done with the people you have in place up top right now, maybe a change of leadership in both sides would help things out, but something's got to give. This is getting old. This is getting ridiculous. Come on. Let's get something done. So we heard Brady's uh, true feelings about what he thinks about <laughs> Saskatoon Transit. Now, what uh, what about your hot for this time around? You know what? I want to go back to the election real quick and just want to say what great reporting we have had so far. Uh, a couple people that I want to call out specifically, uh, a former colleague of mine, Sarah Mills at CJME, uh, has been doing some fantastic work. Emma Graney of the Leader Post had some great stuff as well. And we're just so lucky in Saskatchewan to have such a great uh, core group of journalists covering the election. And they've been doing an amazing job. They've been asking all of the right questions and asking good questions and coming up with some really cool stories as well. And I think it's going to be super easy for the people of Saskatchewan to make an informed decision because of the great media that we have and uh, we're just lucky to live in a place that we have such great reporters who do such an awesome job. Alrighty, so that basically does it for another episode. As always, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on our website, in the news yqr.blogspot.ca, where you can also subscribe, uh, and you can also subscribe on iTunes. We are also on Facebook and Twitter where you can find all of our contact information. We'd love to hear from you and see what you thought of episode eight. And as always, if you have your own story ideas that you'd like to hear, let us know. We will try our best. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Kaylee Galman and Brady Knights, and we'll see you next time.